side of midnight with Frank Morano. Tones of Navy SEAL turned pro wrestler, turned go- turned actor, turned mayor, turned governor, turned singer, Jesse Ventura. And if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you know what a, a fan I am of uh, Jesse Ventura. And I've known, because I'm such a fan of Jesse, about Tyrell Ventura for a long time. But I would read uh, mentions of Tyrell in Jesse's books and hear him refer to Tyrell on radio interviews and elsewhere. And they go, okay, that's interesting. Tyrell seems like an interesting guy. But I never really thought much about him. And then I started listening to the Independent Streak podcast. I am a political independent. And I love any podcast that explores some of these independent political issues. I have to tell you, I have gone from being a fan of Jesse Ventura, who knew who Tyrell Ventura was, to absolutely devouring every word of this substack and every syllable of this podcast. If you're into movies... They do all sorts of great stuff on movies. If you're into policy, they do great stuff on policy. If you're into politics, there's great stuff on politics. But recently, the episode that really caught my ear was an incident, was, was a, a podcast episode that dealt with, an, with a story in the news that has made news all over the world, really, but that we've been covering a great deal. And it's something that I thought for sure was going to be proven as a hoax, but at least as of now, still hasn't been. We're going to get into it in a moment. First, though, let me welcome the host of the Independent Streak podcast, uh, actor, producer, investigator, Tyler Ventura. Tyler, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you very much. Always a pleasure to to have Jan, and and what a what a wonderful, kind, sweet uh, introduction, man. Thank you. Well, sure thing. And uh, again, I'm not going to ask you what it was like hey, growing up as the uh, as the son of uh, of a legend, especially one as colorful as as uh, your dad is. But I do have to ask now: when you were a young boy, five, six, seven, eight mm. years old. You had access to some of the best-known wrestlers in the world. I mean, that's the kind of thing that most eight-year-old boys can only fantasize about. As a child, is there one moment that really stuck out in your mind? Was there someone who was super nice or some moment that you just kind of had to pinch yourself to believe that you weren't dreaming? 
You know, uh, it's interesting. It's a great question. You know, growing up in the in the in incredible, wonderful environment that I did, and having the the parents that I did. You know, yeah, I got to go to the go to the matches from time to time i remember as a little kid one of the things that jumped out at me was it was odd for me because my dad always played the villain in the ring uh yet at home he's of course you know your hero he's your, your he's your dad so you know going to the to the auditorium and hearing you know ten thousand, nineteen thousand people uh screaming jesse sucks uh that 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 jumps out when you're a little kid uh as far as meeting a wrestler that was that jumps out in my head um uh, there was one wrestler when I was a little kid, Tony Atlas. Uh, was a great wrestler in his day. He used to play cars with me, like Hot Wheel cars on the locker room floor and stuff like that uh, in between matches when I was waiting. And then the other one that stands out, I think, with the bigger name, I guess, would be meeting Andre the Giant was a pretty uh, remarkable experience for like a six or seven-year-old kid. Uh, I remember like shaking his hand, and his hand pretty much engulfed my arm. I, I can imagine that being uh, quite a scene. Now, um, I, I had read, I know you've had a career as an actor and a producer in your own uh, right. Now, I had read decades ago in one of your father's books that that love affair with movies began with your father's appearance in the science fiction film Abraxas, Guardian of the Universe. Is that true? Uh, kind of. Uh, it, it, it really, if I go back far enough, it really began with Predator. Um, my love of movies and the power that they are as a, as a, as a communication tool to relate to and to things like that, I guess kind of began with Predator of all things, because I remember going to the theater with my dad to see it. And, you know, obviously as a little kid, I was about seven years old when it came out. You know, I had to cover my eyes when, when the, mm. the creature kills him. Sorry for the spoiler <laughs> alert for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when he gets killed, I had to cause my eyes. But then a few scenes later, um, you know, his best friend in the film, Mac, played by uh, Bill Duke, is saying goodbye to him as my dad's kind of laying on the screen dead. And I remember as a seven-year-old, it was a weird moment for me of, of staring at the screen, seeing my father dead, then looking over my shoulder and seeing him, you know, next to me alive and then dead and alive. And you're kind of processing that as a seven-year-old. It didn't scare me. It didn't bother me. But I think in that moment, I realized what a powerful thing movies can be, um, where they can, you know, really, if a movie's done right and it's a good film, it, it, it can get you to confront things that you never really thought you'd think about or at the very least it, it can it, it can be a teaching tool it can it can be a tool that says hey you know what are you going through this kind of thing yeah you know so are, so are the filmmakers of this so is the storyline you know and it's entertainment and I think I think at the end of the day that's what kind of set me on that career path and then Abraxas holds a special place in my heart because uh uh, you know that was my an in you know wonderfully b grade independent film my dad did up in canada science fiction film uh that is hilarious if you watch it today oh yeah no i think um, it's terrific Absolutely. and and i was in it you know i got to be in it and uh, uh you know there's a little part that that you know i was able to play as a bully who you know tries to take on a kid with telekinetic powers and uh i definitely failed miserably uh, <laughs> as a bully uh, picked the wrong kid to bully, and uh, it was it was a neat experience. And that you know, it just my love of film and wanting to be in that business and be a storyteller uh, in cinema, you know, definitely was inflamed by those two kind of moments, and um, you know, set me off on my on my kind of career path, which is 
taken some pretty interesting twists and turns. No, no doubt about it. I, I think you and Carl Weathers might have been the only two people on the set of the movie Predator that didn't become governor of a state. So uh, that was uh, <laughs> certainly an interesting experience. I've also heard, maybe it was your dad or maybe it was other people, that have credited you with sort of opening his eyes at questioning the official story. He, he's become so associated over the course of the last 10, 12 years with conspiracy theories and analyzing conspiracies and a different way of thinking than, say, what the mainstream media approves of. And a lot of people have said you were sort of the one that dragged him along into looking at things differently. Is that true? Uh, not, not necessarily. I, I think that, you know, my dad was, was looking in, my dad flew a lot when he, in his wrestling years and, you know, he would read on planes and, and at some point he had kind of picked up uh, a book about the assassination of John Kennedy and that, and then that kind of being that it's a significant moment in his, in his childhood, uh, when Kennedy was killed and, and, and you know, it's a significant moment for that entire generation, uh, you know, he kind of got into that world of, of I guess, questioning uh, the official story on certain topics, uh, probably through the assassination of John Kennedy. Um, where I kind of fit into that is I, I remember back in the early 2000s, there was this uh, incredible film, uh, <laughs> controversial film uh, called Loose Change that... Uh, I had, I had seen and I, I kind of showed dad that because I knew he was already kind of, you know, with Kennedy and things like that, he, he you know, was, was and, and through his influences from his father of, of you know, what his father told sure. him about how the Vietnam War was just a money grab. Uh, there wasn't out to stop the fall of communism and, and that. And so my dad always had a, a healthy skepticism of, of, you know, what we were told about history uh, or historical mm-hmm. events. And and that kind of carried on, and and you know it, it's it's a it's a patriotic thing to question your government. You know, I think the, the thing that we have to remember is healthy skepticism is good. At the same time, you also have to be careful that you know if you stare in the abyss too long, the abyss stares back, and then you know suddenly you're down a rabbit hole right. believing in things that that couldn't possibly be true. But you're kind of so you know the government's lied to us so much you can kind of forgive somebody for not believing in anything. Um, but uh, you know there's there's a good balance between the two. And my father's always instilled that in me that that you know not everything is a conspiracy, but you should always always it's your patriotic duty to always question question your government uh, about what it's doing. It's, it's just being a healthy citizen. Well said. Uh, people just tuning in. We're talking with Tyrell Ventura. You could hear him regularly. On the Independent Streak podcast, you can also search uh, Jesse and Tyrell Ventura on Substack and subscribe to their emails as I do. And uh, if you listen to that Independent Streak podcast on any podcast platform, just search Independent Streak and it comes right up. Now, the episode that you did that I thought was just uh, five star in my view had to do with an issue that we've explored a little bit on this program. And if people haven't been following this, the, it all began with this 911 call out of Las Vegas, and you could hear the the severity and the seriousness of what the caller is telling the 911 operator. People haven't heard this. Listen to this. Okay, lady. Me, my dad, and my brother, we're working at a truck in our backyard, and we have a big lot outside, right? Correct? Okay. We were working, and we just see in a corner of our eye something fall down from the sky, 
and it was with light. And when I hit down, it was like a big impact, and we felt it. We felt like an energy, and then and then and then we hear like a lot of footsteps n near us, and then we have a big a big uh, equipment, and and we see, and there's a there's like an eight foot person beside it, and another one's inside, and it has big eyes and looking at us, and it's still there. Okay, where is this on your property? Uh, uh in, in in my backyard. I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually we so just, two, we terrify it. So there's two people or two subjects that are in your backyard. Correct, and they're very large. They're okay. like eight foot, nine feet, ten foot. I don't know. They're they look like they look like aliens to us. Big eyes. They have big eyes. Okay. Like like I can't explain it. And big mouth. They're shiny eyes, and and they're not human. They're 100 percent. They're not human. The guy openly says that they look like aliens and they're not human. So the police come, and this is from the body cam footage, and this is widely reported, and the police come, and they have a very serious interaction with some of these witnesses. What did you see? It was like a, it was like a big creature. A big creature? Yeah, like a long tiny top. I'm not going to BS you guys. One of my partners said they saw something fall out of the sky, too, so that's yes. why I'm kind of curious. Did you see anything land in your backyard? Or? They see like a big, that's what they say. They see like a big, uh, like a big something with light. This, this was widely reported all over the Las Vegas local news, then becomes a national story, then becomes an international story, and to me, it was just too perfect. And I expected to hear within a day that this was just a hoax, or this is something that somebody had done for a Sasha Baron Cohen movie or something along those lines. Well, as of now, sources, according to KLAS in Las Vegas, sources close to the investigation involving that 911 call with his Vegas family claimed to see aliens in their yard do not believe the incident was a hoax. Uh, a week after this story went viral, though, a lot of people are still asking questions. Uh, Ty, based on your looking at this story, what do you make of this? It's interesting. You know, my, I've had a lot, you know, I, I worked on, on my father's show, uh, Jesse Ventura's uh, Conspiracy Theory, for the three seasons it ran. So I, I have a kind of a, uh, you know, I've had to dive neat, dive head first into the, the kind of world of not only UFOs, but a, a lot of conspiracy theory. I always keep my eyes open for, for stuff like this when it comes up. It's an interesting story. It's fascinating. I mean, I do know that like NASA's planetary defense office has now said kind of in an email that, oh, you know, the light that you saw on the officer's body cam and that was like a bright meteor. And I think if you look at that, you could maybe make that assumption. But in terms of this person's call of what they saw in the yard, it's a fascinating story. You know, they don't sound like they're trying to put anybody on. They don't sound like they're, hey, let's, you know, get some headlines or let's, you know, dupe the police for tonight and get send them on a wild goose chase. I mean, it sounds like when you listen to them, at least, that the, they saw something weird in their backyard, uh, you know, in regards to a potential 10-foot uh, alien or something. You know, you, you don't know what it is. Um, so, it, you know, it's one of those stories that comes up. I think it's really interesting that it came so close to, was it the recent whistleblower to come forward and saying that, that uh, was it Grush who's come forward and said that, oh, you know, we've been, you know, we have alien craft and we're not releasing the information on it to Congress or anything like that. We might even have pilots. It's, it's kind of this long culmination over the last few years of, of you know, UFOs kind of take, or you know, UAPs or whatever they're called today, of taking center stage and, and suddenly we're talking about disclosure. I never thought I would get to this point in my lifetime where this would be a legitimate uh, news item, you know, where, where suddenly people are taking this very seriously and very intelligent people are taking this seriously. Um, 
you know, do I, when people ask me, you know, do I believe that this could be true? Do I believe in, in aliens? Well, I, I go back to what I think it was Carl Sagan said that, you know, if, 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 there, if there's no other intelligent life in space, then it's an awful waste of space. Uh, you know, and so when I look at this and, and say, hmm, is there a possibility that this could be real, that, that this could be whether interdimensional or from the universe or whatever it might be, uh, I love the possibility of it. And I think that we should, whether you believe in, in UFOs, aliens or not, just the very fact that something's being covered up and we should pursue to find out what exactly is being covered up and, and what is being talked about and what we're not being told. That's just, it's a healthy pursuit of knowledge. And, and I, I think that we need to continue traveling down this and treating this as a serious subject matter. I'm glad that you mentioned your work on uh, conspiracy theory with Jesse Ventura, particularly in season three, because there's one episode that you guys did, which I know really stuck with you, and that's the Skinwalker episode. For people that are unfamiliar with Skinwalker Ranch, uh, fill us in. Uh, what, What is Skinwalker Ranch? What's the history there? And why was that experience so unique for you? It's an interesting experience because, uh, you know, Jesse was very much not really interested in doing UFO stuff on the show just because he felt, you know, it's covered so much and he's much more gra- – he likes to kind of keep his – you know, look at things more, you know, terrestrial. <laughs> he likes to look at sure. government and, you know, what they're doing, things like that. But Skinwalker Ranch is essentially this area in the Uinta Basin uh, in, in, in Utah that for, you know, going all the way back to the Native Americans has always had uh, very strange paranormal events taking place. They're being talked about it. You know, I think somebody referred to it as the, the Disneyland of the paranormal, and there's a ranch there that through the course of the years, uh, all sorts of things from poltergeist to uh, claims of portals to shape-shifting creatures to cattle mutilation. I mean, you name it, it's kind of happened on this ranch. Uh, and then in the last 20 to 30 years, uh, one kind of mega millionaire bought it, uh, Robert Bigelow, uh, who's a pretty big name in, in the UFO kind of world and lore. Uh, he had bought it and was studying the ranch there. I think it recently came out that the, the U.S. government was helping fund that uh, investigation. Uh, now there's, a, I think it's Brandon Fugel uh, owns uh, the property and is also conducting investigations, which you can see, I think, on like History Channel. There's a series uh, that they do for, for television about what's happening there. Um, I kind of went there for conspiracy theory in, a, in a, I believe it was like 2012, I want to say, or 2013. And we were kind of doing the show about Skinwalker Ranch and uh, Robert Bigelow and his involvement with aliens and, you know, and, and, and chasing that down. And anytime you set out with cameras to do a TV show hoping to, to shoot something spectacular, you know, you got to lower your expectations. Sure. Uh, if, 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 we, you know, if you've ever seen anything, you know, no one's ever going to catch Bigfoot with the television camera right. tragically. You know, it's that same kind of mentality. Um, and so as we were there shooting, uh, I and this is a longer story, but I'll kind of sum it up. There was a few instances there through you know, sound that was coming through our, our radios in the car, very bizarre sound to something that I had seen in the sky that I can't tell your listeners that what I saw was a UFO. I can't tell them that what I saw wasn't a UFO. I just know that what I saw there 
shook me to my core. It, you know, there's this light that I cannot explain that wasn't like what we've seen with like Tic Tac videos and things like that. It was something entirely different. It was this very green, intense light that I'd seen uh, coming towards me because um, everyone was kind of, it was about one in the morning at this point, point. we were shooting down at the gate there uh, to the ranch that's on the road, and I kind of held back to have a cigarette because I was exhausted, and I look up and I see this light, and it's kind of coming forward, and at first I thought it might have been a helicopter or something, or like, a, you know, the front spotlight on a helicopter, but it wasn't that, it, it, it didn't make any sound, and the best way I can describe it is when you see something that you, you can't compute, that you, you, your brain is trying to figure out what it is you're looking at, your head kind of goes into like the pinwheel of death for anyone that's owned like a Mac computer or like, you know, the spinning uh, uh, hourglass where you're just trying to, you just kind of freeze because you're just trying to figure out what it is you're looking at. And then at a certain point, it, it, it got to be about the size of a, of a silver dollar if you were holding your arm out uh, up to the sky. And I, I can't tell maybe how far away it was, uh, but it, it started moving left to right and another light opened within this green light of this white light. And at that point, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not seeing something that's normal. I need to let them know that I'm like, I got to let the camera guys know, like, look up. There's something really weird happening above us because uh, they hadn't seen it. And the moment I had that thought, it, it didn't fly away. It, it essentially, I guess the best way I can describe it, it kind of melted into the sky. Um, and, and the sky kind of just went back to normal. Wow. Um, like I said, I can't say that it was alien or, or a UAP or, or something like that because I don't have the information to say that. I just know that what I saw there uh, was something that I'd never seen before and just did not feel like something from a natural occurrence in the sky. The way it was moving, the way it looked, the, the vibrancy of the, of the green... And, you know, after that, too, there's something called the hitchhiker effect that takes place at Skinwalker Ranch, where if you see something or are exposed to something there, a lot of times it will follow you back. And without giving away too much, uh, yeah, I did have a hitchhiker effect uh, happen to me even after I'd left the ranch. Um, You know, it it was a very strange... It's the first time I think I can say in my life that... I, I can give credence to people to, to the people that say that they see something weird uh, or, or or paranormal in the sky or, or something that cannot be explained because to this day I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, even with all, all of the footage that's released, it's never been anything that looks the same. Um, I've watched the TV show. I still haven't seen what I've seen that they that you know you can see on the TV show every every week or whatever when it's at, when it's airing. Um, and it was, it was definitely a moment that shook me just simply, I didn't feel afraid. It was just when you see something you can't explain, it sits with you for the rest of your life. That and, is, and it, uh, it's not going anywhere. That <laughs> is absolutely extraordinary. Uh, let me end with this cause we're just about out of time as it is. And I hope you'll come back cause there's a lot of other issues that I'd love to uh, explore with you going forward. But, um, mm. obviously you've been very critical of, uh, of both parties and the military industrial complex and sort of the establishment that runs Washington on a whole host of issues. And I'm just curious where your head is at with respect to the presidential race in 2024. I know uh, a lot of people are interested in Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Other people are interested in exploring a third party option. Where uh, where are you leaning at this point? You know, it's interesting. I, I Somebody asked me that the other day, and I think, you know, anything but Trump and Biden uh, you know, when you see those two guys paraded up there again, in my mind, I'm just kind of like, oh, again, like both these guys, have, I, I believe, 
wildly failed uh, the American people in their, in their in their duties and what they've you know what they set out to do. Uh, both are wildly problematic candidates. You know, in terms of RFK, and I think it was Cornell West is running with the Greens and Marianne Williamson. If somebody would have told me five years ago that hey, uh, at the start of the presidential race <laughs> for 2024, you're going to get you know Cornell West, Marianne Williamson, and RFK Jr. Uh, along with Biden and Trump, uh, you know, I, I never would have believed them. I think that no matter who or what political side you fall on, ultimately we need more than two parties. Yeah. We cannot continue to survive as a country under this kind of two-party dictatorship. That is and for so sure. No matter who you agree with, man, like find the candidate. You, you're never going to find a candidate that's a hundred percent on board. Like if, if if you find a candidate that, that literally hits every hundred percent of every issue that you're behind, they're probably not being truthful with you, <laughs> you know, but you, you got to I, I strongly urge people out there, you know, really dig into the candidates, not just on a presidential level, but on your local and state levels and, and, yeah, and national that's, level. That's good advice. Really Otherwise think you end about up who you vote for with and folks value like your George vote. Santos. That's you true. Know. Uh, all right. Ty Ventura. Right. This was, you know? <laughs> uh, this is a really great conversation. I enjoyed it. I hope you will. I hope you'll come back again soon and often oh definitely thank you very much for having me on sir thank you if you want to comment on any portion of our conversation you're welcome to 800-848-9222 you might want to check out the independent streak podcast and uh, you could also just search on substack jesse and tyrell ventura they have these these columns these substack columns die first then quit but if you just search tyrell ventura it comes up on Substack, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight.